Crude oil is crude. Natural gas is pure. That's why Pennzoil's base oil is made from natural gas, not crude. It gives you unbeatable engine protection. The proof is in the Pennzoil. Based on sequence 4A wear test using SAE 5W30. Part of the interruption, but I'm Frank Isola, or as I'm known on the streets... I'm Tony Kornheiser, or as I'm known on the streets... Spicy tea! Nobody has ever... Spicy tea? Nobody has ever called me And those are young people tea. saying that. Yeah, That's, I'm, that I'm, gives you a little street cred. I'm very impressed. <laughs> I once wrote a column about my friendship with Bob Woodward, and at the end I had Bob Woodward in the column say, Good to see you, Timmy. And I always thought that was pretty funny. <laughs> Welcome to PTI, boys and girls. Wilbon is out with a case of the Trubisky Blues. So I'm joined by our great friend from The Athletic, Frank Isola. <laughs> people clapping. And we begin today with a medical evaluation of the supposedly injured Kawhi Leonard, who took last night's nationally televised game off. Kawhi is good, but don't take my word for it. Listen to Kawhi's coach, Doc Rivers, who said, quote, he feels great, but he feels great because of what we've been doing. We're just going to continue to do it. There's no concern here. I think Kawhi made a statement that he's never felt better. It's our job to make sure he stays that way, unquote. Frank, the league put out a statement that Kawhi was, quote, not a healthy player, unquote. So how does the league look now? Of course they look bad. And it's the first game of a back-to-back. He doesn't want to play back-to-back games. And for the second week in a row, a game that was on national television, on ESPN, he decided not to play. So right there you're telling the fans, we don't care if you paid money, he's just not playing in back-to-back games because he was healthy all along. So that's what you're telling the fans, and I understand that. I'm going to take the position that I run ESPN. Yep. And I paid $400 million a year for NBI rights that I share with Turner. Turner, by the way, broadcasting the next night yes. when Kawhi Leonard is ready to play. And I'm trying to sell ratings on the fact that this is not a helmet league, that you have stars that we want to see. In a year when Clay Thompson is out and Kevin Durant is out and now Steph Curry is injured. Zion Williamson. And Kawhi Leonard doesn't want to play. I am steamed. I am livid at this. Right? Because I, 100%. I, I, what am I, what am I doing here? I lay this at the feet of Greg Popovich originally and Adam Silver. They are the villains in this piece. They have allowed this to, to grow and blossom. It's nonsense. If, if you run ESPN, can you please give me a raise, number one? <laughs> the, the other issue is, Here's Kawhi Leonard last year missed 22 games, and Toronto went 17-5 and in those games, and he won the championship. So everyone says, well, it worked. Guess what? Every team has guys that kind of do this load management. Has it worked for Philadelphia? They haven't gotten out of the second round yet. So at the end of the year, a team's going to win the championship that's had a load management player, and they're going to say, see, it works. Can, like- I, can I go to this? Because as of two years ago, I had never heard the phrase load management. It's a Kawhi I ass- word. I assume that this is something that was invented by an analytics person in order to justify sitting of somebody course. down. When did this happen? It used to be a measure of pride that you played 82. And no even longer. if you didn't, 75. He's on pace to miss 25% of the season. In- in fact, Tony, you don't have cachet in the league unless you're missing games. That's how it's viewed now. This is what I love what the league said yesterday. Kawhi is not a healthy player under the league's resting policy. You know what the resting policy should be? The offseason. Why is he resting <laughs> yeah, for games? Yeah. Especially, I thought the idea was a few years ago, no more sitting out games on national TV. So, I mean, I said this yesterday. I'll say it again. You let me know when Aaron Rodgers says, I don't want to play against the Bears because it's a load management issue. They, yeah. this, is, this is honestly outrageous. By the way, they're 0-2. In the game, so yeah. yeah. All right. Tony, we have another game of the century on Saturday with second-ranked LSU visiting third-ranked Alabama. Both teams are 8-0. 
And Yahoo columnist Dan Wetzel, who does a great job, by the way, is calling it a must-win for the Crimson Tide, whose one quality win was against Texas A&M, a team no longer ranked in the top 25. So, Tony, do you buy the idea that Alabama has to beat LSU to make the college football? No, I mean, not completely. I mean, if it's a great game, I understand it's a home game for Alabama. But if it's a great game, if it goes down to the wire, people are probably going to want to see that again. Yeah. If they get crushed at home, you know, then, then they're yeah. probably out. The, the Big Ten champ is going to get in. Yes. The SEC champ is going to get in. Clemson, presumably, yes. going undefeated gets in. So then it becomes a one-loss situation. And where does Alabama stack up against Pac-12 teams? You know, Pac-12's never been in this. Yeah. At some point, you sit in that room and somebody raises his hand and says, how about the Pac-12? Are they ever going to get in this? So maybe. Yeah, well, I think you're looking at one-loss teams like Oklahoma and also Georgia. So here would be the situation. If well, L- if Georgia then beats that's the winner my point. of Alabama, if, LSU. If LSU beats Alabama, and then you have Georgia beats LSU in the SEC championship game, now you have three teams you with one loss. You can't put Georgia Alabama, going in. Alabama can't play at but that But don't point. you think, first of all, I think the SEC is viewed a little bit differently. I think they look at it as the premier football conference, and that's, that'll be the one conference that could get a one-loss team in. The issue is Alabama is just viewed differently. It's almost like they want Alabama in with just one so loss. So if, if I'm a television programmer... Again, if I run ESPN and I have the college football playoffs, and somebody says to me, Baylor's undefeated, would you like them or Alabama? I go, Alabama. What about Minnesota? Uh, Undefeated. Alabama. Oregon at one loss. Alabama. That, I mean, that is what I'm going to say because they bring in, they bring in ratings. Because when you think of college football, Alabama is the first name that comes up. But when you look at the schedule, all right, they've beaten Texas A&M, like we said, at the time ranked 24th, now not in the top 25. But this would be a home loss. If they lose, yeah, and, that's, and if it's a bad loss, it's no good. But if it goes down to the wire, you know, I, I mean, I, I think the SEC is in the best position to get a second Always. team. I said before that no Pac-12 team had ever been in. That they have been in this before, but it's it's sort of they are forgotten. They're in the 100%. land of the forgotten. Like you, a one-loss Utah team is not going to bring in the it, eyeballs at Alabama. It's almost will. like because the Pac-12 is constantly playing games that are on back in the East at 10, 11, 12 o'clock. Yeah. Nobody's watching the games, so they kind of get forgotten yeah. a little bit. Frank, this. This is such a great story. <laughs> Embattled Bears quarterback Mitch Trubisky wants the TVs turned off at Hallis Hall, the Bears practice facility. Trubisky explained, quote, trying to get some of these TVs in the building turned off because you got too many people talking on TV about us and what they think about us, what we should do, what we are, what we're not. Ridiculous. But they don't really know who we are or what we're capable of as people or what we're going through or what we're thinking, unquote. <laughs> Emphasis added by me. Frank, is this something Mitch Trubisky should have shared? Absolutely not. When you're in battle like the way he is and a lot of people are calling for his job, you know what you're telling the fans and the media? You're getting to me. And that the last thing you could do. And as the, we know there are certain positions in sports, and quarterback is probably number one, is looked at as a leadership position. Yeah. It looks like you're soft. It looks like you're running scared. Are the TV, is every TV on the entire time and the conversation is only about Trubisky? They, you run ESPN, like you said. Yeah. Is that all we're talking about on ESPN all day long, that he should be out? This, to me, is worse than when Sam Darnold said, I'm seeing ghosts. Ghost, yeah. Because that is something that That's happened in an actual game. Yeah. That is something that happened on the field. This is about television sets. This sounds to me, if I could put the words in Trubisky's <laughs> mouth, it would say, I have absolutely no confidence in myself. Yeah. All these people are saying I stink. I can't take it. That's make what it, it stop. Like. Make it stop. <laughs> yeah. This is... This is almost tragic for his career unless he becomes a great quarterback. 
This is terrible. I've heard of teams, whether it's baseball, basketball, that didn't want newspapers in the locker room because they felt it was impacting the team. I remember a million years ago, Bobby Bonilla, an outfielder for the Mets, was getting still booed getting paid. He put, <laughs> still getting and he paid. put earplugs in. Because you didn't want to hear the booze. Once you start doing that, you allow the fans and the media to know that they're getting to you. It looks so bad. And what does the rest of the locker room say about something like well, that? Well, I'm sure some defensive players say, turn the TVs up so Trubisky can see how <laughs> terrible he is. Yeah, yeah. But what he tried to do, the worst part of this, is he said he was doing this because of the team. Yeah. This is about him personally because there's so much heat directed at him his, personally his 80 passer rating is 29th in the league and more people than ever before people that have been supporters of him are thinking this might be it that they got to take him out will Not bond good. is rolling over somewhere <laughs> on this one. all right tony my guy carmelo anthony gave a rousing locker room speech prior to syracuse's season opener last night and what happens syracuse scores just 34 points and a loss to virginia the defending national champs Afterwards, Jim Beheim, who usually opens up against Colgate, Lemoyne, Binghamton. Ah, he was ducking us. <laughs> he wasn't pleased, saying, quote, you never want to play the elite games early. That's stupid. It's just a money grab. Tony, is he right, or is this just sour grapes? So full disclosure, I go back a long way with Jim Beheim, yes. and I love him. I do. I, I love Funny him. guy. I opened up the Washington Post today, and in the left-hand column on the front of the sports section, because Virginia is a local for uh, the Post, it, it listed, it said 48-34, and I thought it was a halftime score. <laughs> 34 at home? Well, the rims you practice on, 34 at home, and you shoot 13 for 55, which is 23%? Yep. That is almost That's how that's Virginia impossible. plays, so they're a good defensive team. They're a smothering defensive team. Yes. They lost three starters from last year's team, if not four. Uh, did they allow eight guys on the court? <laughs> you, you, you can't get that at home, 34. You can't. My, my, my favorite stats, two of them. Last year, Syracuse opened up against Eastern Washington. That's a classic Jim Beheim opening game. Eastern Washington scored 34 points. Last night, Cole Anthony, the son of Greg yeah, Anthony in North Carolina, he scored 34. How are you only scoring? I get that, like you said, I get that Virginia is one of the best defensive teams in the country, even with the guys that they lost, DeAndre Hunter, Kyle Guy, Ty Jerome, the guys that were important part of that championship team. 34 points, so, huh? I'm gonna Do take, you blame Carmelo? No, I don't blame him. He's <laughs> your account now. Um, I'm going to take his side in this regard, in Jim Beheim's regard. This is a league game. When I first saw it, I thought, oh, Syracuse, Big East. I've still not made the connection that Syracuse know, has gone to the I ACC. Know. I don't think you can open up, even if you're at home like Syracuse, I don't think it's fair to Virginia or Syracuse that your first game of the year is is a league game like this. I'm not sure that that's fair. And I know that Bayheim would rather play his first 15 games at home against Colgate and Cornell and Binghamton and things like that, and then maybe go to the Garden for one game and yeah. go back to home. But I, I think... I think he's right in saying, what are we doing opening up with a league game? I don't think Syracuse came to the fact that they were actually playing a game. You're saying, you know, that you can't, like, connect them to the ACC. They weren't connected to that game last night. By the brutal. way, Carmelo Anthony, as a freshman, he once scored 33 points in the national semifinal. One less point than the team scored last night. Just don't blame Carmelo. By the way, ACC Network was televising a game. It's a way to kind of boost the network a little bit. It's too Didn't early. Help it's too early for that game. Let's take a break. Coming up, would it be wise for Baker Mayfield to force feed the ball to Odell Beckham Jr.? We're going to ask Steve Young. We'll also ask him what advice he would have for hurting Cam Newton. I mean, Jim Beheim whining is not exactly man bites dog. It's great. I mean, this happens all the time. I mean, and I love him. I do. Duke opened up against Kansas. Michigan Out of league, State. not league.
Week 10 of the NFL season kicks off tonight, which makes it a perfect time for a visit from a kid who wasn't much before I suggested he start throwing lefty. <laughs> Hall of Fame quarterback Steve Young. This is a great, great question. Odell Beckham Jr. getting frustrated by his lack of use. Who could have seen that coming? <laughs> Baker Mayfield says he needs to force feed him the ball. Is this a wise strategy or does that just clue in the defense? <laughs> well, it certainly clues in the defense, but it should. I remember playing with Jerry Rice for years, Tony, and we had a certain section of the playbook, I mean, uh, the play sheet, and it was Jerry Rice. It was titled Jerry Rice <laughs> and how all these plays, and it's like we knew, and, and Jerry was right, if you don't throw me the ball, we're going to lose. And so Odell can really, I think, has the talent to say the same thing. Throw me the ball and we'll win. And so everybody knows it, but you know how to figure out ways to get it to him. That's the challenge for Freddie Kitchens and also for Baker. So in many ways, you know, Jerry was on a much better team, and that's the problem. Odell's picked some teams that aren't getting him the ball because they're not that good. But, yes, they do need to get him the ball and keep him happy. But please, Odell, hang in there. <laughs> Be a leader. Don't freak out. Don't blow up. Let this play out. You know, because that would be, that would be the end of the Cleveland Browns this season if Odell went, you know, went crazy. You know, Baker's obviously struggled. The big story coming out of the game on Sunday was that he shaved three times, including that handlebar mustache that he has. He said it's a good luck charm. He doesn't deserve to wear it anymore. Did you ever link your play, good or bad, to the facial hair that you had? No, never. Did that. <laughs> but, hey, look, as athletes, we, know, we all have superstitions. I mean, my coach, George Seifert, was the ultimate. I mean, he, it got so bad that, you know, he couldn't step on the 49er emblem at the practice field. And we would try to distract him and try to talk to him and try to lure him so he could actually step on the, on the, on the and, you know, he would freak out. But he, he, every time we'd be in the middle of a conversation and out of nowhere, he would just instinctively know, I'm about to st- st- sit on the, you know, the, the emblem. I got to move around. He would stop. And go around it. And he had to blow in his, you know, his, his lifesavers three times, blow in his socks. I mean, he had everything going. And we would always try to make fun of him and have him uh, stop it. But all athletes are that way. And I, I make fun of George because I don't want to make fun of myself. I used to, in college, my girlfriend painted my uh, toenails the name, the color of the team we just beat. You know, and that was supposed to bring good luck. So, I mean, we'll go to no ends. But, I mean, I would not use the facial hair as the signal because all of us watch and go, what are you doing? Because they end up with the yep. mustache. That was that was the worst case scenario, right? I would like to pursue the painting of the toenails, but I'm going to go back to the script. Cam Newton. Who, well, I knew you'd like that one. Cam Newton was a great, great player. MVP of the league, went to the Super Bowl. His career at the moment appears to be at a crossroads. What advice would you give him right now? Stay humble, you know, and, stay, and get healthy. I mean, Cam has some, some mileage left, but he's going to have to fit in a system. He can't demand that the whole organization, you know, and he didn't demand it, but his just persona and his talent demanded that the whole organization kind of made space for all that Cam is and was. And I think if he's going to go forward, he needs to just shrink the expectations down, but yet still be a force, be a physical force and fit in somewhere, if it's not Carolina, that says, look, you don't have to change everything for me. You don't have to, you know, upset everybody in the organization for me. I will fit in. I'll run this great, you know, pistol. There's, the, the game is set for him right now. It's come to him in many ways. Just make sure that you don't get in the way of it and allow yourself to finish your career. There's still some, still some great things he can do. Steve, you know, the Green Bay Packers and Aaron Rodgers, that offense, it seemed to be clicking. Then they lay an egg against the Chargers. How do you explain something like that happening? Frank, I don't know if you saw the pass protection and the defensive line for the Chargers. I mean, it was like that's where that's 
Every quarterback's kryptonite, even the most mobile guys. You get Gilbert Brown with the Packers in your face, and I can't see, and then here comes Reggie White, and it's like, you know what? <laughs> Just run for the car out the, out the tunnel. I mean, it's, there's, there's very little to get done, and that's what happened to Aaron Rodgers. So if the San Diego Chargers' four-man rush, not five, but four, can do that kind of damage the rest of the season, they can be as dominant as the 49ers. And why are the 49ers 8-0? Yeah, there's some good play around. There's no question. But those four guys are bringing the heat like no one else. And that is the differentiator in the pass-happy NFL today. So we'll get you out of here on this, and it involves the Chargers, but it also involves the Raiders, who are their opponent tonight. Last year, John Gruden was accused of being over the hill as a play caller. Is he doing something different this year? Or were those critics simply getting it wrong? Oh, critics never get it wrong, Tony. You know that. I mean, it's like, well, how could that be? Look, John is not, uh, um, he's not Sean uh, McVay. He's not going to do a lot of crazy motions and really expansive. He is a, deep down inside of him, he's Newt Rockney. Like, he's Vince Lombardi. He wants to run the football. He wants to play action. And then he wants to, you know, obviously throw the football afterwards. And that's what he's doing. His, his play calling right now is fitting his personality. And the running game is following up with the, the goods. And that's why they're, they're four and four. You think this is a disastrous season. They still have something to get done. So in many ways, I think this team is becoming more like who John really is. And that is a foundational run first, you know, pass second, be, be expansive, but that running game is key. Thank you so much, Steve, as always. It's our great treat every week. Thank you. All right, Tony, you're the man. Let's take one last break. Still to come, Eric Bledsoe does something I have never seen in a professional basketball game. And Zion Williamson gives an update on his injury status. Could be back, maybe sooner than later. We need to revisit the toenails with Steve at some point. Yes. The painting of the toenails. That's, there's, there's, in beat on that it was road, his, it was his girlfriend. Say. Yeah, that's right. <laughs> Happy time, people. Happy 81st birthday, Jim Cott. Talk about a lifer in baseball. Jim Cott broke in with the Minnesota Twins when they were still the Washington Senators in 1959. He won 283 games over 25 years and won 16 gold gloves. Only Greg Maddox in the history of baseball has won more. Scott became a broadcaster mainly for the Yankees, now does some games on MLB Network with Bob Costas and some others for the Twins. People say he's one of the nicest guys ever. Really is. And when he did those games on Yes, it was an education. He was teaching you baseball every single game. What an athlete, too. Not so happy anniversary to Chris Boswell. On this day three years ago, the Steelers kicker tried to get fancy with a Rabona-style <laughs> onside kick, only to fail miserably. As you see here... <laughs> Excuse me. Boswell kicks the ball into his own foot. It doesn't go 10 yards. It doesn't go four inches. And then he kicks it again as if no one was watching. Somehow Boswell is still the kicker for the Steelers, though he probably hasn't tried that move again. My Robona. Yeah. What do you make of the whole onside kick thing now? It's a player it's, safety it's thing. It's ruined. It's impossible. It's been ruined. It doesn't work. Happy trails to an inbounds pass for Eric Bledsoe. Bledsoe, who plays for the Bucks, apparently decided... There was no need to pass the ball inbounds, so he just took it inbounds himself and started dribbling. This is, of course, a violation of the rules, not to mention something so stupid that he will now have to live with forever. Although Adam Silver will probably tell him it is okay to have done that, and the referees are just being oh, mean. Oh, that's a good one. I think he was thinking about the play he was going to run, so when the referee handed him the ball, maybe it's a geographical thing. He's from Alabama. When you play pickup ball, when you were playing on Long Island, you didn't bound the ball to play. Yes, you, you have to throw Some it guys, to someone. It depends on what part of the country you're from. Sometimes have you ever seen anything like that? 
It has. J.R. Smith must have done it at one point. Well, that's an assumption that you make, but that doesn't mean it's actually fact. I, you only see that in pickup basketball, not in an actual game. But, but in pickup basketball, what you do, a guy says, okay, and he flips it up like this and then starts to dribble. But the guy guarding him understands this is what's going the to happen. The referee's lucky that he caught it, because if he didn't, Adam Silver would wow. be all over that referee. Here we go to the big finish. Zion Williamson said today he's getting stronger, and he will play when the Pelicans let him. When do you think that will be? I think that's 2020, January at some point. I still say about 50 games. Bengals wide receiver A.J. Green had a setback and will continue to be out indefinitely. Is that a big deal? They're 0-8. He wasn't going to come back and lead them to 8-8 with Ryan Finley. The setback was they're 0 Bring back Marvin Lewis. Yeah. Kemba Walker returns to Charlotte tonight. Will he be cheered or booed? Come on. He is going to get a huge ovation. The fans down there love him. By the way, three weeks from now, Kyrie in Boston. Not showing up. Cheered or booed? Not showing up. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> Saquon Barkley's dad, a lifelong Jets fan, how about this, says he will wear a Jets jersey but root for the Giants when the teams meet on Sunday. Is that a fair compromise? It's a great idea, and it sounds really good for the press, and it's not going to happen. If he's a Jets fan, he's going to root for the Jets, okay? I, if I'm a Jets fan growing up, Giants. and my son was on the Giants, I would root for the Jets. No way. Last one, Trailblazers and Clippers tonight. How many for Kawhi? All right, the last time Kawhi missed the game last week, he played 34 minutes, scored 38. Tonight, he'll get about 30. Out of time. Try and do better the next time. And I'm Tony Kornheiser. And I'm Frank Isola. Thanks for watching. You can get the PTI podcast on the ESPN app or Apple Podcast. Lila Claire Burko, welcome to the world.